0: Welcome to Pull Up The Tape Podcast, the podcast that keeps you connected by providing all the hottest and most current takes in the world of sports. This podcast is a full version of today's episode. Lastly, share this podcast with anyone you know that loves basketball, boxing, football, MMA, and soccer. It's greatly appreciated. Happy listening and enjoy the episode. All right, so my name is Michael DeLue. Today is Friday, October 8th. Friday, October 8th, 2021. And I'm, and I'm really excited because it's episode 71. I'm inching closer and closer and closer to episode 100. Oh my God, I'm got, I can't wait. Episode 100 is going to happen sometime in November. Nevertheless, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. I did say Friday... October 8th, meaning yesterday was Thursday, meaning Thursday Night Football, meaning let's get into it. Yes, sir. All right, so yesterday on Thursday Night Football, NFC West was on full display. The Rams battling the Seahawks in Seattle. So you that's always – anytime the Rams and the Seahawks get together – it's, Oh, get your popcorn ready, because you're going to be entertained. First half wasn't too entertaining, but nevertheless, the game did catch us at speed, and it got really, really interesting down the stretch of the game. So the Rams defeated the Seahawks twenty six to seventeen. That was the final score. And I don't, I, I kind of, I, kinda, I, uh, I don't really want to say it was a tale of two halves, but it kind of was, like the first half versus the second half, completely different stories, both games. The first half ended with the Seahawks being up 7-3. to three. It was kind of a real I – don't, I don't want to call it boring. I never want to call – damn, there are some boring football games, but I don't I don't want to call what I saw yesterday boring because I actually watched the majority of the first half. I actually fell asleep and then woke up and the game was done. I was really, really disappointed because I was like, damn, I really wanted to watch the game. Nevertheless, from what I do remember was watching and seeing, in the first half it seemed like both teams were just trying their absolute hardest – not to fucking score. Like it, it it's the Rams. The Rams the Rams go get into the red zone. Matt Stafford on Matt Stafford gets pressured, rolls out, tries to throw the ball away, but actually throws the interception of Quandre Diggs. Uh okay, I guess. Another time, the the Rams go down the field, only end up getting three points. Another time, Rams go down the field, get stopped. And I'm just I, I was watching the game like, bro, like What's wrong with the Rams offense didn't look the sexiest in the first half. Nevertheless, and then even the first, well, well, I can't remember what possession it was where they went all the way down the field, and I'm not sure if they turned up. Whatever. Seahawks, on the other hand, same thing. kept Both Both offenses were driving the ball down the field, and then when they would get to the red zone, nonsense would happen. The, the Seahawks got stopped on fourth and two, tried to run the ball. I'm like, on fourth and two, you try to run the ball and Aaron Donald? Are you Are, are you crazy? Does that even make sense? Who the fuck called that play? <laughs> the fuck! Another one, Jason Myers. I, I, first of all, l- let me speak on Jason Myers real quick. Jason Myers used to be the kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know how bad of a kicker he is. It, it, it is so surprising to me the fact that he still has a job. Let alone he's actually playing on a good team. I, I don't. I. It, it's crazy because he got cut by the Jaguars. He gets picked up by the by the Seahawks, and for I don't know how long he pretended to be a good kicker or whatever, whatever the case may be. It is what it is. He pretended to be a good kicker. He looked like a good kicker, whatever. But it's finally You're fine, We're finally starting to see how bad of a kicker he is. Or well, I've already seen it. I have seen it when he when he wore my team's favorite colors. I already saw it. So I'm not I'm not I'm not exactly too sure what uh, uh damn I don't even know I can't even remember his name. His last name is Schneider. That's the who cares what he was thinking when he signed Jason Jason, Jason Myers but nevertheless it is what it is. Oh uh, y'all have fun with that. Like I said, Rams offense didn't look and the Rams offense it's so crazy because they didn't play their sexiest in the first half but they finished off the game with over 400 total yards. Matthew Stafford had 360 360 something. They had over 100 yards rushing and Matthew Stafford actually let left some plays, let, left some plays on the field, missed some throws that could have. Yeah. So, anyways, it's still two hard because at the end of the at the end of the game, the Rams were able to put up twenty six points, so they put up nineteen points in a half, and they won the game convincingly. I mean, part of that was because Russell Wilson got hurt, but nevertheless, I honestly think that that would have happened regardless. But nevertheless. Second half, it seemed like Robert Woods was just wide open on every single play. It seemed like every single time he was on the field and decided to run a route, he got open. He had 10 catches in the second half. 10 catches in the second half. That's that. Honestly, as a defense, for us to allow somebody, somebody to catch the ball 10 times in one half on us, that is bad football. That's bad coaching. That's bad football. The DBs are getting toasted. Like, what the fuck is happening? Robert Woods? Robert Woods. Robert Woods isn't even a top 10 receiver in the league. I fuck with Robert Woods. No, no, no. This is no disrespect to Robert Woods at all. I, I fuck with Robert Woods. As I'm saying this, I'm looking directly at the wall of my studio. There is a USC Trojans decal on the on, on the wall. I've been a Trojan fan since 05, but I got a call spade of spade. Robert Woods isn't even a top 10 receiver in the league. How the hell is Robert Woods getting 10? Oh, Seahawks defense, man. Oh my God. That shit was bad. Oh my God. Oh my God. Robert Woods had 10 post catches in the second half. And it's crazy. It's crazy that um, he was able to do that because after the conclusion of the game against the Cardinals on Sunday, Sean McVay said that this, this upcoming week, they're going to emphasize getting Robert Woods the ball, involving him more in the offense getting him really really going because Matthew Stafford as soon as he got to LA clicked with as soon as he got to LA click with Cooper Cup it seemed like that was a seamless like that that didn't even take any time whatsoever like he was able to do that like uh, snap his fingers Robert not Robert Woods Cooper Cup was just him and him and Robert Woods were I'm, I'm sorry him and Matthew Stafford were just clicking like like it was no man's business and coming into week four, Cooper Cup was the leading receiver in every single category. Receiving yards, touchdowns, and catches, and receiving touchdowns. So he, the, the chemistry is already there. They have to get Robert Woods re, re, going again, and they were able to do that last night, which is part of why they were able to win so win the way they did. And then on top of that, they got a contribution from the run game. Sonny Michel came to play. Daryl Henderson came to play. Both of them picked up rushing touchdowns in the second half. That was the difference for the Rams. That was the difference for the Rams, and the Rams defense stepped up. And like I said, also part of it was the fact that Russell Wilson did pick up a fucking injury on his on his on his um on one of his fingers. He bent, that shit looked bent out of shape, broken. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Hopefully, and knowing Russell Wilson, it was obviously serious for the fact that he was able that. It was obviously serious, which is why he didn't play the remainder of the game. Russell Wilson is an Iron Man. He has the longest streak of active starts in the in the league at over 100 and something. So the fact that he wasn't able to play in the second half kind of spells that, ah, this is something that actually is very serious. Because Russell Wilson is not a bitch. Russell Wilson play, has played through injuries before. If he can go, he will go. And the fact that he wasn't able to go says a lot. That probably, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know what that's what that's going to spell for the Seahawks because they're looking like they're 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 really in a bad spot right now Matthew Stafford 25 of 37 365 yards a touchdown and an interception there Henderson 17 carries 82 yards a touchdown Sonny Michelle 11 carries 37 yards a touchdown Robert Woods had 12 catches for 150 yards Cooper Cup had 7 catches for 92 yards the collectively that's 19 catches for over 260 yards, that is the bulk of the offense, right there. Deshaun Jackson had one catch for 68 yards. Rams offense in the second half deserve flowers. They did their shit. They did their shit. Now, after I've I've given the roses to who deserves the roses, the Seahawks. Oh my god. Oh my god. So Russell, it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be easy to blame. Oh, the Seahawks lost this game because Russell Wilson dislocated his finger. No, regardless of Russell Wilson dislocating his finger or not, they would have lost that game. I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced that if that didn't happen, they would have won the game because of the trajectory and the way the the Rams' defense was playing in the second half, and the fact that you know, I'm gonna keep 100 the seahawks offense wasn't they weren't excluding firing on all cylinders all, all cylinders to begin with like they they weren't the sex like man oh my god i don't think the seahawks would have won the game but definitely i feel like they would have had more meaningful drives if russell wilson was healthy but that isn't that's not going to equate to a win and it didn't and i like i said i I'll, I'll, I'll put money on that i'll bank on that 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 didn't happen and that wasn't going to happen like I said, the main reason why the Seahawks lost last night is because their defense was fucking atrocious. As a defense, they gave over, they gave up over 400 yards of offense. It doesn't matter what game you're playing. If you're playing Madden, if you're playing 2K, if you're playing FIFA, if your defense is getting cooked, more than likely you are going to lose that game. I noted earlier the fact that Robert Woods was able to get it going and had 10 catches in the second half. That should never fucking happen. As a defense, well that 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 again, why are you letting a receiver that is not top five, top ten in the league go off for that much? How do you expect to win when that's happening? What? Like how is he he's getting open every single play? How do you expect to win? How do you expect to win? That doesn't even make sense. Like, I'm no I'm no expert in football, whatever, like the the highest my football career ever went was high school, but I mean I'm not and I, I'm not an expert I'm not an NFL expert, but nigga, and by expert I mean I'm not a head coach. Head coaches are, are presumably experts at the game of football, especially someone like Pete Carroll, Sean McVay, whatever, who have been doing this for a quite quite a long time. You would think, and I'm I'm, I'm speaking to Pete Carroll and his defensive defensive staff. You would think they would at, at some point of the game we need to stop or slow down. Robert Woods. He's cooking us. He's killing us. We need to account for him every time he lines up. We need to figure something. Slow him down. Something. None of that should happen. Seahawks are 0-2 at home. Fall to 2-3 on the season, which is not very good considering their Their division is not a cakewalk at all. They're probably they're probably the worst team in their division, and they're a pretty good team, if, if you ask me. So, and... It's this is really bad for them considering how tightly contested their division is going to be all the way until the very end. The Rams improved to four and one right now. Even if the Cardinals lose on Sunday, they'll still be four and one. The 49ers can go three and two. While the damn the Seahawks are sitting at two and three. That's not very good. I mean, let alone then again, the fucking 49ers could lose again and be 2-3 just like them, but, I mean, nobody wants to be in last place in the division, and that's exactly where they are sitting right now. I want to give give big props to Geno Smith, though. Geno Smith uh, is one of those guys that, honestly, I didn't even think was still in the league. I mean... I can't remember exactly when it was during the game, but they they there was a there was a shot of the sideline, and I seen Geno Smith sitting on the sideline. I was like, "Damn, he's still in the league! Like Geno Smith is still getting paid to play football! Like, what I play, but be on an active roster! Like, what?" So, but he came in and he led. He immediately led a very meaningful drive, which ended up in a score. The drive started on the two yard line, and he walked him down ninety eight yards. Geno Smith played really good considering the situation he was in. And he did throw an interception at the end, but it was not his fault. Geno Smith finished off with 10, went 10 of 17 for 139, 131 yards. And they touchdown to DK Metcalf in the back of the end zone. And the interception that he did throw, not on him. And I, I'm not too sure whose who's fault it is because Tyler Lockett did fall. I'm not sure if he was tripped. Or he felt the contact and decided to throw himself against against the ground, hoping hoping that he would get a call or something like that. But that pass was intercepted because Geno threw it to where he thought Tyler Lockett was going to be, not to exactly where he was. End up ended up at. because, like I said, he did fall. But nevertheless, that was the tell. That was the, tell the game. Ah, it is what it is. Russell Wilson, 11 of 16, 152 yards, touchdown, interception. Geno Smith, 10 of 17, 131, a touchdown or interception. Absolutely no contribution from the running game whatsoever. Alex Collins, 15 carries, 47 yards. They also didn't have Chris Carson. I'm not too sure exactly what's going on with Rashad Penny. DK Metcalf, great game, five receptions, 98 yards, a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, five receptions, 57 yards. And that is the ball game. Okay, so Nation League semifinal. Belgium chokes away a two-goal lead to France. France ends up winning 3-2 because Theo Hernandez, shout-out AC Milan, scores the scores the game-winning goal that put the sense France, into the Nation League's final against Spain on Sunday. So, Yannick Carrasco opened up the scoring. Romelu Lukaku scored in the first half as well. And I honestly want to say, that that might have been the best goal I have ever seen Romelu Lukaku score. That might have. I'm going I'm to emphasize this shit again because that shit was that, that, that beautiful. The goal that Romelu Lukaku scored, and as I, watched, as I rewatched the highlights, I did not think that that was going to be the goal that he scored because the angle that he took seemed damn near impossible to score from. And I, as a Chelsea fan, as a Chelsea fan, I need to see more of that. I need to see more of that. If Romelu Lukaku is scoring against nations like France in in not even in friendlies, in games that matter, there should be no reason why he shouldn't be scoring against Manchester City and against Juventus. He needs to like, oh my God. I'm actually, even though and despite that Belgium did lose, I mean, I'm I'm not from Belgium, so I really don't care whether they win or lose. I just want to see... I don't care where I don't care I don't I, I, personally I don't care where a lot of the players that play for Chelsea whether they're, they're they win for their nations or not because I just want to, I just want to see them play I just want to see them look good and play good honestly so they can carry that same form into that blue jersey all right that's that's what the fuck I want that's what I want and I was honestly impressed by Lukaku in the game that he played nevertheless he did he did leave some opportunities some goals out there but like I said. Best goal I've ever seen him score. And this game was honestly a tale of two halves. And in the first half is 2-0 because Belgium is the more superior side. They are attacking the, at a better rate. They are pressing at a better rate. They are defending at a better rate. And I also want to note and point out that just because the score was 2-0 doesn't mean that France played piss poor. France actually created a lot of good opportunities, but most of the opportunities – went straight to Thibaut Courtois. So they were good, they were good chances like they created shots, but I guess the shot select I don't I don't want to say shot selection, but the the quality of the shot wasn't the best because it wasn't really challenging the keeper. What's not even wasn't really it wasn't challenging Courtois at all. And then on top of that, then not being challenging, he's also a very good keeper, so he's really hard to beat at times. So if You are going to create shots and opportunities again. They have to count and they have to stick. And that's exactly what happened in the second half for France. Honestly, second half France turned, like, I I don't know exactly what it is, what happened or what was said in the locker room, but France turned on the fucking burners for the second half. They pressed higher. They played harder. And what was the turning point, in my opinion, was the fact that Griezmann, Mbappe and Kareem Benzema were able to finally start clicking. Benzema carried his form from Madrid to France. And he scored an an, an amazing goal. He scored an amazing goal. Like, I've seen him score a lot of great goals, so I can't say that was the best one I've ever seen him score. But he scored a quality goal. He's one of the top strikers. Him, Lukaku, Lewandowski, top strikers in the world. Kareem Benzema is, is a problem. And I am like, just it's 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 really it's really great to see the fact that he is doing what he's doing in in the French shirt because of the simple fact that the last time before before the Euro twenty twenty the last time Karim Benzema represented France in a major tournament was not even the Euros in twenty sixteen it was the World Cup in twenty fourteen so it's been it has been sometime he didn't represent them in the he didn't represent them in the Euros in twenty sixteen didn't represent them in the World Cup. So it, it's been seven years. Seven years since the last time i seen Didier, not Didier Drogba. I was going to say Didier Jogba, Uh Since the last time i seen Karim Benzema do something like, do what he's doing right now in France. Karim Benzema in the 2014 World Cup scored against Honduras, scored against Switzerland, scored against, scored against Nigeria. Like he was scoring quality goals for France, and it is good to see that that's continuing that's to happen. The second goal. Which was a penalty that was converted by Kylian Mbappe, was awarded to France by VAR because Yuri Tillemans fouled Antoine Griezmann. You know, it took some time. It took some time to to get the decision, whatever. But France is awarded the penalty, and instead of Karim Benzema taking the penalty, he hands it to Kylian Mbappe, who scores a screamer and puts it past Thibaut Courtois. And I, I honestly want to emphasize how big of a moment that is for France and France football because of the simple fact that it has been discussed that, you know, France aren't the best, aren't really clicking as a team. There's drama amongst the squad, X, Y, and Z. That right there shows Mbappe trusts Benzema and Benzema trusts Mbappe. They're linking up. They're looking good right now for France, and they're probably going to carry that. Not probably. They they will carry that same partnership momentum into next season when Kylian Mbappe does finally sign for Real Madrid okay and then the very last goal Theo Hernandez game-winning goal oh my god in stoppage time in the 91st minute incredible shout out to him showing man making AC Milan fans proud he is he really oh my god that was such a great goal and then also I want to emphasize that even though Belgium did choke away their lead they did not actually they, they created chances in the second half. they could have converted it this could have easily went to uh, extra time and because you know like I said, they did miss some chances in the second half that they could have converted but nevertheless it was a very very good game. Shout out to the nation shout, shout out to the fact that you know all these big nations are taking these games so seriously like you, you if, if you guys anybody saw the the game earlier the week where Italy lost to Spain. The Spanish team was so excited and so happy after that win because they're playing in the Nations League final. So seeing – man, anytime anytime we get to see quality games from – anytime we get to see quality games during the international break, I, my, my, my heart is overwhelmed with joy. Anytime that happens, that is great for me. I, I, that makes me so happy. That makes me ecstatic. I love sports. I love soccer. Uh, I don't even think people really understand how much I love soccer. But nevertheless – it is what it is. Uh, come, shout out! Shout out to the France team for fi- finally putting together this French team. It won the World Cup in twenty eighteen. Heavily underperformed in the Euros. They got bounced out in the, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the round of sixteen in a penalty shootout. So it, it's it's good to see them, you know, whatever, getting back to where where they should be because the Fr- France at the very least with the quality of players that they have, Paul Pogba, Kylian Mbappe. Antoine Griezmann Karim Benzema Ngolo Conte. I mean, they have really, 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 really good players. So they shouldn't France shouldn't France shouldn't be exiting any any tournament, any, anything until the semifinal at the very least. France France should either be winning, winning these tournaments, making it to the final, or losing in the semifinal at the very least. At the very least. Okay. Other than that, anything else is considered a letdown. Losing in the corner funnel, letdown. Losing in the round of 16, letdown. Not making out the group stage, oh my God. TDA Deschamps needs to be fired. I'll I'll just throw that out there. Last thing I want to talk about today, before I end today's podcast, is Newcastle United. Okay, so one of the things that separates soccer from all the other sports that I talk about is the fact that There's no such thing as a salary cap. There's no such thing as a luxury tax. There's no such thing as any of that. Like if, for example, Luca Doncic, right? So Luka Doncic plays for the Dallas Mavericks. And he's, at this point in his career, he's probably considered probably the most high-valued player in the NBA because considering his age and how good of a player he is. Like Luka Doncic's value on the open market, if teams wanted to bid for him, would be much higher than Giannis because he's actually a better player than Giannis, and he is five or four years younger than Giannis. So if Luka Doncic were a soccer player and he went up in the open market, he would pro- some some team would probably, it would be a bidding war, and Luka Doncic would go to probably the team that wants to pay the highest for his services. So the Dallas Mavericks could make possibly up to $750 million if they decided to sell him. And I bring this all up to say that in soccer, unlike all these other teams, there's no, like I said, no salary cap or anything like that. So most of the best teams in the world are the teams that have, the richest teams in the world. So the teams that have the most success, you know, the best players are usually the teams that make the most money. Those are the biggest clubs and X, Y, and Z. So if you have a team and like I said, Money matters. So knowing money matters, essentially, a team can go from one of the worst teams in the league to the best team in the league if the right thing happens. And the right thing happened for Newcastle United yesterday. Newcastle United was purchased for 305 million pounds. Their owner, Mike Ashley finally decided to sell the club after 14 years of nonsense. And in those 14 years, they've been relegated twice. As I'm, as I'm speaking right now, Newcastle United are 19th in the Premier League. He sold the club to, to a Saudi public fund, who have an estimated net worth of 596 billion euros not million billion euros five hundred and ninety six billion euros do you know how much fucking money that is five do you know how much money five hundred and ninety six million is imagine five hundred and ninety six billion dollars that's so much fucking money as of right now after, after the after once, not even, I don't know if I don't know if everything legally went through or if it was everything automatically, everything has been finalized. But once it is, Newcastle United will now be the richest club in the game of football. Richer than PSG, richer than Manchester City, richer than Barcelona, richer than Chelsea, richer than Real Madrid, richer than Manchester United richer than Bayern Munich they have more they have more money that the richest team in the world richest team in the Premier League have more money than all the top 6 sides combined more money than Arsenal Chelsea Manchester City Manchester United Tottenham every all all these teams have they have way more money than them combined as of right now Newcastle can now afford any player they want, any coach they want, they can build a new stadium, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And for Newcastle United fans, I can understand how exciting this is to have an owner with deep pockets come in and have the the resources to change everything. I look at what Chelsea – I'm a Chelsea fan. I've been a Chelsea fan since 2012. I look at what the impact that Roman Abramovich had on Chelsea. Roman Abramovich doesn't even have anywhere near the pocket. He's a billionaire. Roman Abramovich is probably like – I think if I'm not mistaken, his net worth is probably like uh, five, six, seven, eight billion, something like that, somewhere in a single-digit billions. The Newcastle United owners collectively have almost $600 billion. Since Roman Abramovich took over at Chelsea, they've won two Champions Leagues, five Premier Leagues, two Europa Leagues, FA Cups, Carding Cups, a bunch of shit. So I can only imagine what's going to happen in Newcastle United. And I'm really excited that a new power is in a, a new like oh my god I I I really think this is really good for the Premier League. This is really good for football, and I'm just really excited honestly. Like and and shout shout out to shout out to the fans of Newcastle United. They were celebrating in front of Saint Saint James Park as if they had won the Premier League. Because it wouldn't surprise me in the next couple of years if they do. They will be playing like once once they start. Like what they're gonna start doing now is probably just, even if they can't get the biggest and most popular players, they can get the brightest young prospects in England. They can sign all of them. They can sign every single one of every English English teams. They can sign their best prospects and guarantee them first team time and guarantee their first. And they could get a, a hell of a coach. Oh, Newcastle can turn this around. By 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 the end by the, if Newcastle is able to. Granted, they are 19th in the Premier League right now. I mean, so they can't they can't spend like crazy in the January transfer window. But the thing is, even if they don't turn it around this season, next season, even if they don't turn it around and, and stick around and if they get re- relegated, they'll be right back in the Premier League for the 2023-2024 season cuz this one is 20 2021 20, 2022. Next one if they get relegated they'll be playing in the championships for 2022 2023. So 2023 2024, they can finish as a top as a top four side. I I I, sw- I I know for a fact they can do that. Off the fact that they got all this bread? Oh no, it's over with. It's over with. So, I'm really excited to see how this plans out, how this like cuz you know, I know exactly what Roman Abramovich fr- f- buying Chelsea and pumping in millions and millions of pounds into the cup into the club did for the club and the first honestly within the first year they're probably going to spend a billion dollars on new facilities, new stadium, coaches, players, all types of shit. So salute and I'm so happy for Newcastle United fans. My name is Michael Delu. This is the end of today's podcast, the end of episode 71. Like, comment, subscribe, tell anybody you know about my podcast, viral, movie, long live Kobe, long live GG. I'm out.